You're listening to the Royal Oak Church Podcast. Royal Oak Church is based in Front Royal, Virginia and led by Pastor John Acronero. At Royal Oak Church, we believe in training children, restoring families, and lighting our community. We're so thankful that you have decided to tune in, and we pray that God will minister to your heart and speak to you as you hear His Word today. God bless. So I have the honor of doing our kids' spot today. So I have some fun things here. I have been watching everyone do these, and I said, Tammy, I need to do one. (laughs) So I'm excited today. So I have something fun here. Who knows what this is? You guys know I'm pregnant, right? (laughs) This is so good. What are some things that we can make with this? Chocolate milk, that's been my favorite. Sundays, all kinds of good stuff. And this is really fun, right? We can have a lot of fun with this, but it's also kind of messy, right? It's kind of, it gets kind of sticky. Has anybody ever got chocolate on them? It's very sticky and messy. And so I'm going to use, I'm going to steal this mic stand because I'm going to need it. All right. So it's kind of messy. It's kind of sticky. Maybe I don't know how to use this. All right, cool. I should know how to use one of these. I'm a musician. All right. This is, it's kind of messy. So I'm going to take this off too. All right. So I know, I know. I didn't think, I didn't think that through. So this chocolate here represents lying. So it's, it's kind of fun when you start out. You just put a little bit. It's sticky and messy, but it's small, so it's okay, right? But look at what happens. The more I play with it, it gets all over me. And so I build on it a little bit more because you can't just stop with one lie. You're going to have to tell another lie to get to hide the other one, and then you tell another lie, and another lie, and another lie, and then your hand is full of this chocolate syrup. Look at this. But, I, but I'm, contr- I'm still in control of this right now, right? right? For right now, I am, yeah. So while I'm in control, I'm going to tell you guys what I did yesterday. So yesterday, I went to Target. And I was with Michelle and Jake, and we were shopping, we were walking around, and what I did was I was looking for some clothes because, you know, I'm growing and nothing fits, and I got this, oh my gosh, I got this (gasps) brand new shirt. I just forgot that I had this big lie in my hand, and I just made a mess. So who who looks silly right now? And it might be okay, but I try to get it out, and it just spreads and spreads and spreads. And the thing about lying is, it it seems okay, and it just spreads, and it it doesn't seem like it's a big deal when it's that small in your hand, and you have control over it. But the more that you have to tell lies, it gets bigger and bigger, and it gets all over 
<gasps> gets all over you until you look so silly. Nobody likes to look silly. This, and this might seem kind of fun for right now, but who wants to live like this forever and lie every single day and feel sti sticky? And it's fun. It, it is kind of fun to get messy, but nobody wants to be messy all the time, right? No. And I love to hug. That's very true. Now, the thing about this is once you lie, there's, no, there's nothing I can do to get this chocolate syrup back in this bottle once it's come out, right? It's, it's, it's literally, I can see it right now, it's soaking into my shirt. <laughs> oh no, I really did, and I'm for real, I bought this yesterday, I just got this brand new shirt. So there's nothing you can do, but once I start telling the truth, and I, this will represent my truth here, I can clean myself up, but even after I clean myself up, I'm still a little sticky. And I still remember what that feels like. So this is what the Bible says about lying. It's in Proverbs 12, 22. It says, the Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in people who are trustworthy. So if you, who's ever, has anybody ever told a lie before? I, I mean, everybody stands. I mean, I have. Everyone that says no, just lie. You liars. <laughs> And God, God forgives us as long as we come clean, we tell the truth, and we clean ourselves up, and he will clean us up. And that's the bottom line. Thank you, Alexis. Is there really chocolate on there? That's... Huh? Here. No, I don't think so. Somebody will find out. <laughs> that was awesome. I really love those um, teachings for the kids. But like I said before, well, you did get it all over the mic stand, but that's okay. Um, the adults get a lot out of that too. And what a truth that is, how messy lies can become. And you start off with a little white lie, and then you spend all your energy and time trying to cover for that one before you know it. You're knee-deep in Hershey's chocolate syrup and... <laughs> then you're sticky and it's just not fun. So how's everybody doing today? Good. How did school go this week? It went. Some heads, some shaking their head. Some just, okay, well, only 52 more weeks to go. One of the things that we're doing, um, I have a sign made, but I extended our Wi-Fi out here um, that gets you about three or four car spaces out um, into the parking lot. And the reason why we did that is we're going to start telling people that if they need to come, especially the people up on the mountains where they don't have internet, they're able to download a week's worth of their data on a thumb drive so they don't have to worry about it. So I'm going to put a Wi-Fi access thing out. We talked about it with Beth's thing that she hosted with the school program. It's called, I just called it Drive Up Download. So I'm going to do that and talking with the... Um, the, uh, the guy that runs Warren County Schools, <laughs> superintendent, and um, told him about it too, and he's trying to get other, other places to open up their Wi-Fi. And I gave him the high-speed access, so like they can get, if, for those of you that are technical, at least 30 megabits per second or higher downloads. So that's going to that's gonna help some families, and that's 
you know, we're just all trying to help get through all of this. And it's, uh, it's not going away until after the election. I can promise you all that. And depending on who wins, it may last longer. But, but anyway, I'm not going to go there, or, even though I just did. <laughs> so today I want to talk to you. Oh, and one more thing. Rodney, this is for you. Uh, Rodney Bascom. There's a uh, march going on down in, not a march, but a meeting going down in D.C. in a couple weeks. What's the name of it again? Restore. On the 26th, it's down in D.C. And I reached out to our colleagues over in Winchester this morning to see if they are getting a bus. And they are not able to get a bus um, that weekend to go down. So I'm going to just point you to Rodney, if you are interested in going down that Sunday, um, that it's going to be a pretty big event. A lot of, it's, it's all about prayer and praying for our nation. I'm going to see if I can go. I'm not sure if I can get out of being at church, but uh, we'll see. And if you want to go, I would recommend you going down there. It's, um, it's, oh, I thought it was a Sunday. Saturday. Look how uninformed I am. Talk to Rodney. He knows it. I don't. Now I have no excuse. <laughs> Saturday the 26th. So thankfully the weather should be nice. Oh yeah, we might have a new grandson. So that might be the only thing keeping me from going. But anyway, talk to Rodney if you're interested. He'll give you the website and you can check it out. I had one other thing. Oh, <laughs> and this is fitting and timely. I have, if you don't know me by now, um, you don't know that I am really bad with keeping calendars. Um, if you ever need something from me or you have something with a date associated with it, I love that you tell me about it, but please go talk to Michelle in the back because she will actually remember the dates. I have failed people left and right over the years because and it's and I'm working on it. I'm not making an excuse for myself. I'm just really bad at remembering dates, especially after service and everything's kind of crazy. So Michelle is the one to go to. Um, just ignore me. Just go right to her. She knows everything anyway. So that's it. That's all I got. Oh, and congrats to the Benners for moving into their new home. <laughs> uh, if you haven't been on Facebook, you got to check them out because they did just a cool thing with it. It was... I think Phil was kneeling down holding a box in front of their door like he was proposing, but it was a key. So that's awesome. So congrats. Okay, now the fun stuff's over. Here we go. No, I'm just kidding. So we've been doing this back-to-school prep thing for a while, on and off, as God led. And this week is science. So we're going to have a little bit of a science class today. <laughs> no, who said that? Science. So what's the definition of science? Science is a systemic knowledge of the physical or material, material world gained through observation and experimentation. Science is the knowledge of some things. Our verse for today is a very short one, but a very profound one, and in fact, the first one. It is Genesis 1.1. In the New Living Translation, it simply reads, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It's the first thing we read, and often the last thing people read who just don't believe. They get stumped right there at that. God created the heavens and the earth. 
Why is that? Because that's not what a lot of people think. The very first verse in our Bible, Bible is immediate, immediate, I can't talk today at all. I got to do some talking exercises before I get up here. <laughs> the very first verse in our Bible immediately divides us into two categories. One that believes that there is a creator and one that doesn't. It's pretty simple and straightforward. Science relies on testing ideas with evidence gathered from the natural world, right? If you are doing science, then you are, you come to like a theory about something and then after you test it repeatedly and it can't break, you say, this is a fact. It's a hypothesis, very good. Just don't correct me if I say something wrong. I'm kidding. You know, you know I enjoy that. Now, there's nothing really wrong with that part of science, right? There's nothing really wrong with science. Um, and getting the ideas and testing them and making sure they're fact is good. But it can become a problem when science can't really fully explain something. And when that happens, um, things can get a little wonky. A pure scientist will consider something a matter of fact if and only if the testing proves it beyond a shadow of a doubt. That's what a pure scientist would do. If no conclusion can be made, then it becomes a theory. It becomes a theory. This, this is what we think is going to happen. And theories can be used as a basis for creating other theories. So you can see how wonky that road can get. It gets a little sketchy because the fact that a theory is not a solid truth means that it's not yet a fact. So you got to be real careful when you start building a staircase full of theories. When you build theories upon one another, you're really starting to go off on a tangent. You're really starting to go off on something that we think is possible, but yet we can't fully explain it. We actually can't explain a fraction of what's existing right here on our planet. We are, we are not even close. Our world and our universe is so infinitely complex, it's hard to even imagine. It seems like science and church, though, have been at war with each other for quite a while. And in fact, it wasn't always like that. There was a time, believe it or not, that the church, specifically the Roman Catholic Church, they helped lead the way in discovering some of these things that we now take for granted in science. They started exploring, which I think God wants us to do anyway, until the discoveries appeared to contradict what was in the Bible. Then it wasn't fun for them anymore, and then they put a stop to it. One such discovery was made by Galileo in, about, in 1633, Galileo, Galileo was on trial for a discovery of his, and that discovery was that planets orbit the sun. How many of you know that planets orbit the sun? If you would have raised your hand back in 1633, you would have been imprisoned with Galileo and on trial with him. But what was, such, what was the big deal with that? Why, why would they arrest him? They did. They arrested him. Why? Would that be a big deal? Well, two things. Genesis says that earth was created first and then the sun. 
There was earth and then there was light. So earth has to be like the center of it all. Secondly, there are tons of references in scripture that say we saw the sun moving. We saw the moon moving through the sky. So the sun is moving and we are not. Galileo's scientific discovery contradicted the Bible directly as far as they could tell. And the church leaders at the time, they wouldn't have it. If anything, um, if anything that man saw or witnessed or stated as fact contradicted with the word, what the Bible says, and it was just completely wrong. They presumed, I mean, they pressured him for 18 days to confess to heresy. Heresy is believing in something that totally contradicts the Bible. That's what that is, basically. He was arrested in 1633 and remained in prison when he died nine years later. Pope John Paul II finally gave an actual investigation to this and to the truth of Galileo's theory. And finally, in 1992, after the investigation, it was finally accepted by the church, more specifically, the Vatican, that Galileo was right. 1992. I did not know that when I was researching this. I was in school before 1992. I learned that the planets were revolving around the sun. But the church did not want to concede that until that, after a thorough investigation. Now, a lot of that's just crazy. I understand that. It's weird. But that's kind of the rift that's been between church and science for quite a long period of time. And it kind of sets us up for what we're seeing today, which I'll explain. Since around 1633, the church and science really separated from each other. The sad thing is that science, done correctly, does nothing more than actually bring clarity to God and his creation. If you do science right, it, you just cannot help but see God in it. Anybody hear of Louis Giglio? Yes. He's a pastor, and he likes to talk about these things a lot. If you ever... It's, it's hard to, uh, I can't even spell it out, but Louis Giglio, just Google him. He's really good. He does a good job with this. Did Galileo, though, contradict scripture when he suggested that? Did he contradict? He, he contradict, it seems like he contradicted it because of what the Bible says. Now, does that mean the Bible's wrong when the Bible says the sun was crossing over the sky? No. Why? Because it's from their perspective, right? They're writing what they see. And they saw the sun move. And that's the only way they can explain it. Now, God could have stopped them and give them a history lesson on how he created the universe. It would have taken millennia, probably, for them to even understand so he just let him write it down. Okay, well, yeah, that, the, the stars and the moon and everything else moves around us. That's a perspective that they saw. This is called a, I shouldn't pronounce, try, even attempt to pronounce this in my current state of not being able to pronounce things this morning, but phenomenologic, phenomenological, 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 logical. The root of that is phenomena, which 
phenomena is an event or experience that is observed. When you say phenomena, you're, you're looking at something, you're observing something. And logical means you're putting, you're putting a logical spin to that. So logically, they saw a bright yellow star or sun move across, and they naturally said, this thing is moving around us. Makes total sense. Let me ask you this question. Have you ever seen a sunrise? Who here has ever seen a sunrise? Whoever here has seen a sunset? None of you have. <laughs> you didn't see the sunrise. You witnessed the earth rotating towards the sun in the morning, and you see the earth rotating away from the sun in the evening. So the next time you go see a sunset, tell the person next to you, we're witnessing the earth turning away from the sun right now. That's a lot more complicated, but you will be correct. Now, there's still a wide chasm between church and science. Science demands evidence, and the church demands faith. Right? We, there's a lot of faith we have to believe in what we believe. Science wants evidence. But this is where it gets a little crazy. I said earlier that science demands facts, but as we will see, it's not always put into practice. Scientists have discreetly developed their own version of faith, and it comes in the form of two things, time and chance. Let me demonstrate this for you. Oh boy. I had it. I had a coin. I got it. This is the last coin in Warren County. So it's worth a lot of money. It is a quarter. Now, let's, let's pretend that if I throw this up in the air, it's going to either land on one side or the other. There are technically three sides of this quarter. There's the edge. I've never won a bet that way. I always, I always root for the edge because I figure there's going to be one time where it just lands on the edge and I'll win, but I never... So we're going to pretend the edge doesn't exist and there's just two sides. So if I flip this up in the air, what are the odds that it's going to either land on heads or tails? Either heads or tails. What are the odds? 100. I know. That was tricky. I, I blew that too. 100% chance when I throw this up and break my iPad, it's going to land on one of the other two. And it did. It landed on tails. Now, what are the chances that it's going to land on heads. 50. 50, you're right. 50%. Doesn't matter how you throw it, there's a 50-50 chance it's going to land on heads or tails, right? Now let's make this a little bit more complicated. Let's say, what are the odds that this coin will land on, on heads 10 times in a row? It's a big number. It's, it's a big number for have it to, to have it land heads up 10 times in a row. There's a mathematical, math, mathematical equation that can be um, contrived for that and come pretty close. But let's take a look at this. Football season has started for some of you. That's good. Some of you, it's bad. I don't care. I just, if they're playing football and that's all they're doing, I'm good. But football season has started, and when football season starts, what's the first thing the teams do when they meet in the middle? Flip a coin. 
They flip a coin. Now, what do you, what do you think drives them to pick one or the other? Just a hunch? Yes. They want to go first, so they really want to win. So they must have some inside information on which way that coin's going to land, right? They must know something. They take a chance. They, they pick something. They really feel like this is going to be it. And like, Come on, heads or tails, you know, whatever. And they rely on chance. Now, what kind of influence does chance have on this quarter right here that I'm holding? It has absolutely none. No chance. There's absolutely no power because there's absolutely nothing that chance can do. I say that emphatically because it's true. There's no possibility of chance having... There's so many other factors involved in flipping this coin. We could talk about for hours regarding physics, everything associated with that. It's going to... The fact is that this thing is going to land as expected based on the conditions you're throwing it on, the surroundings, everything, it's going to land in a certain way. Chance has no influence at all. And like, like you, you people who play Yahtzee, like my daughter does, and um, she, she shakes the Yahtzee, Yahtzee thing for like hours thinking it's going to be a better role. It's not doing you any good, and stop with the noise because it irritates me. <laughs> You're not helping yourself. <laughs> yeah. Just throw it. Just throw the dice. You're going to have... But hey, if that's your thing, go for it. Just don't play Yahtzee with me. Chance has no meaning. It has no power. It has no influence. There's this thing called the law of non-contradiction. Basically, the argument is that something comes, um, something comes from nothing requires the denial of that law. Because the law says this. It's, very, it's pretty simple. The law states that A cannot be A and non-A at the same time. But to put it more you know, succinctly, I can be a father... And I can be a um, grandson at the same time, but not in the same relationship. I can't be both. For something to come from nothing, it must, in effect, really completely avoid that rational decision that that we just talked about. Self-creation is something that people believe in. Self-creation. They have to believe in that in order for their theories of why we got here exist. For something to come from nothing, it must create itself, right? How can something come from nothing? It can't. I know I'm really like racking your brains today. There'll be a test after. For something to create itself, it must be able to transcend Hamlet's own words and his Hamlet's dilemma was to be or not to be. Hamlet's question assumed sound science in this case. For something to create itself, it must be before it is. 
It's impossible. It's impossible. Let me talk about time for a minute. People say, and I've talked about this before, we can really, people really think anything can happen given an inordinate amount of time. You know, if we waited billions and billions of years, something has to happen because there's billions and billions of years. Doesn't really make any sense, but people, yeah. Now, when the Hubble telescope first started sending us pictures many years back, a reporter was heard saying the following. The reporter quoted a noted scientist who declared, this was a noted scientist, said, 15 to 17 billion years ago, the universe exploded into being. Time is a tool to allow us to think that, yeah, maybe after a certain amount of time, you know, we don't know. It's going to take, you know, I could see that. It's going to take billions of years for us to get to where we are. Time is a tool. So I started thinking about a rock. If you put a rock in a jar and left it there for billions of years, what would you have in billions of years? Rock in a jar. If you put it in there for billions of more years, you'd have, yep. And even the rock, and even the rock. But you wouldn't have something totally new in there, like a frog jumping around. But yeah, you're right. It would break down, obviously. Cigarette buds will be here for eternity. <laughs> Thanks, Sam. <laughs> to put this issue another way, though, if, if, there was ever a, if, if there was a time when nothing existed, if there was a time when nothing existed, then what would exist today? Right. I mean, that's just complete logic. Obviously, nothing, but... Um, Unless something can come from nothing, which we already said can't happen, and science would back you up on this. Maybe their theories won't, but the facts will. It puts us back to self-creation. So we know logically that if something exists now, then something is self-existent. Self-existence is now a logical necessity to uphold that argument. I know I'm really getting deep here. The fact is that if we're relying on something to create itself, then everything is flawed from there. It doesn't and cannot happen. Besides time, the other thing that the report was incorrect was correct on was the fact that the universe exploded into being. Something, again, cannot come from nothing. We hear things like, the universe was created by chance. We already talked about chance. The universe was created by chance. Just by chance, we were placed here on this planet. By chance, we were formed by some primordial ooze that existed somewhere out there. And over billions and billions of years, it just happened to explode into what we see today and beyond. In other words, we're, saying, we're suggesting that we have order from absolute chaos. It was all by chance. 
People love to use the word chance. The use and definition of the word chance has basically become a basis of faith in science. Yes, Sam. Yep, that's awesome. He's just setting me up for my next piece here that I'm going to talk about, but that's true. But science uses chance, and some scientists use that as a way to kind of explain the unexplainable. It's like, well, this just happened by chance. Let's look at a little bit about chance, and let's talk about this. And I'll, I'll give you this situation where, let's say, two, two friends that have known each other for years and haven't seen each other for years end up going to a meeting in London. They didn't know about it. And one comes off the train and the other one comes off the train at the same time. They look up and they see there. It's like, wow, what are the chances that that's happened? It's, if, to them, it would be just like, I, I can't believe this is happening. This is, there's no way. We, we, we couldn't have predicted this. But here's the problem. Everything that happened up until that moment was deliberately ordered and deliberately done so they could meet there. Each one of them signed up for this meeting at some point, unbeknownst to, unbeknownst to the other, and each one paid for the trip, paid to get on the train, got up in the morning, walked to wherever they needed to go, drove there. Each, those were all purposeful, nothing by chance happening. Each one came, met, and all of a sudden they said, wow, this is unbelievable. It's not. It's not. It's not a chance. You did it intentionally, each one of you, and you happen to seeing it, each other. From our perspective, it's like the rising and setting of the sun, right? We look at the sun and think it's moving, but no, that's not how it is. And no, there was no chance that that was not a chance that they met. It was intentional. They were just surprised by it. That's the biggest thing. Our perspective would tell us that it's the, the odds of that happening, you running into somebody that you haven't seen for years in a place that neither one of you live at a certain time on a certain train, that's a mathematical phenomenon. But it's not. There is order in everything that happens. And when we call it chance, it's because we don't understand it. Once again, chance is nothing. Chance does not exist. So here's my takeaway from all of this. Listen, I love science. It was one of my favorite things in school. Um, I believe that science done right simply proves that our creator exists. I believe it was an epic failure of the church back in the 1600s to start a war on science because they simply didn't understand. It took the church over 300 years to say, we were wrong, you were right. And scientists that immediately dismiss God are just as wrong because they should know better than anybody else that if something cannot come from nothing, then something created everything. If they don't want to call it God, they have to call it something. I'll leave you with this, and it may sound a bit odd, but I believe it's 100% true. People that don't believe in God have more faith than those of us that do. People that don't believe in God have more faith than us. Why? Because they're believing in absolutely nothing. It takes a lot more faith to believe in absolute nothing than it does to believe in a creator when all the facts and all the science points to that. You know, Christians tend to get mocked because 
We believe what's written in Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Yet this belief is actually more logical and more scientific than believing time and chance led to all of this. Like I said, I love science. Science does amazing things. But when we start throwing out words like chance and time, you really they're really watering it down. There is a God. There is a God who created all of this. That's, we can't get our head around it. And the other thing, I, I thought of this too just now, actually the other day, but I forgot to put it in my notes. I'm gonna, evolution. I got one minute to explain evolution. <clears throat> evolution is the thought that, you know, you know what it is. We came from one cell and all, all of a sudden we're here. And there's, a, first of all, Darwin even confessed to one of his buddies in a letter saying that he believes that something had to create everything. Still couldn't get away from that. It had to be a creator. But let's look at um, evolution real quick and the fact that human beings came about and we, we all know we're descended from apes is what they tell us. And I can believe that. Don't run out of here yet. Just stay with me. I could technically believe that an ape could resemble a man. You know, they'd have to get a razor somewhere to shave their bodies off to look like a man. They didn't have them back then, but they could technically look like a man and maybe even talk like a man. But there's one thing that I can't get past and one thing that I don't think anybody will be able to explain. What's the one difference between human beings and every other living thing? Made in the image of God. We have free will. Where does that, how does that get transferred in the stages of evolution? Because if we're inheriting the genes of our apes and whatever, just down to a single cell, right? If we're in, where does that, where does that leap? It can't happen. If it did, then like I've said before, you would see bears and stuff out here, you know, selling honey to bees. I don't know, because they don't want to live in the woods anymore. I got a free will. I can do whatever I want. I don't see any animals doing that to this day. And if, and if as scientists say, we're 17 billion years old, then by God, they should be doing that. We should all be talking with animals like in Disney movies and they should be doing whatever they want. They don't have to live in the woods. I'm going to get a condo in Memphis. We were created differently in the image of God with a free will because he loved us like Alexis was saying, because he cares for us and we need to do the same for each other. And that's what I really want to challenge you with because it's going to get difficult to love people within the next couple weeks. I'm telling you that right now. If you're on social media, you know what I'm talking about. If you visited relatives, you know what I'm talking about. It's going to get very difficult trying to love one another, but that's what we're supposed to do above all things. So I challenge you with that this week. Let me pray. Father, I just thank you for being with us this morning. Father, and I thank you for all who, who have come here and I pray for those families that are represented. 
Father, I thank you for the wonderful, amazing place you put us on this planet, Father, and all the discoveries that we still have yet to discover, all the beautiful things and all the little things and the big things, Father, that you put for our enjoyment and our pleasure, Father. Let us never forget that you created us because you loved us. And Father, I pray that we each take that and we reach out to the next person with that same thing. Father, in in the world that has really gone crazy in the past year, Father, we we need something. The only thing that's going to pull us out of this, it's not going to be an election. It's not going to be political leaders, Father. It's just not going to happen. The only thing that's going to save us, Father, is if we each love our neighbor. And Father, we admit that that is hard to do. People don't make it easy to love. Father, you are asking us to do that. And Father, I just thank you for the men and women who are serving this country right now and, and, and for the local firefighters, police, everybody that's giving up a part of them to serve the community. Lord, we pray for them. We pray that they are safe. And Father, we remember what happened just a couple days ago, many years ago, 9-11 shook us all. Father, there are still some people suffering mightily out there because of that event in, in the United States. Our hearts and our prayers and our thoughts go with the military that were called up during that time, still serving and came back with PTSD and many other things that have just hindered them. We lift them up to you. And for those that have lost loved ones, Father, I can't imagine the pain of that date coming around every year. Today, Father, we just ask that you give them a double portion of joy. Father, we just thank you again that we're able to worship freely here. Father, we thank you that you have given us this building and this county to to reach out to and the surrounding counties, Father, to be a light, to be love for people who don't receive it. Father, I thank you again for all you're doing and all you're about to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Michelle's going to come up and I think you guys.